0: Welcome to the MDS Podcast, the podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. This is Michele Matarazzo, the Editor-in-Chief of the podcast, and in today's episode, we are diving into an interesting study about Parkinson's disease and deep brain stimulation recently published in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery, and Psychiatry. The article's title is, Are Patients with GBA Parkinson's Disease Good Candidates for Deep Brain Stimulation? A Longitudinal Multicentric Study on a Large Italian Cohort. Let's find out the answer to this question with the authors of the study, Dr. Nicola Venali and Professor Enza Maria Valente. Welcome both to the podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for the invitation. Thank
2: you, Michele, for the kind of invitation.
0: My pleasure. So let's start with some background. Enza Maria, uh, Parkinson's disease is a common neurodegenerative disorder, but could you briefly explain the significance of GBA variants in PD?
1: Yes, sure. GBA discovery has been really a great revolution in the genetics of Parkinson's disease because this is, on one hand, a very common risk factor for Parkinson's disease. And in particular, heterozygous variants in the GBA gene are found in up to 10, 12% of PD patients worldwide with frequencies that are even much higher in certain populations. And this is regardless of age and onset and family history. So we are talking about every Parkinsonian patient, and a frequency of about 10%, it's really important. If we look at more specific subcohorts, such as early onset patients, this frequency gets even higher in our Italian cohort, up to 20% of patients with an onset below 45 years have a GBA heterozygous variant. So this is an important risk factor, but it also impact significantly on the risk of developing Parkinson's disease and also on the outcome of the disease, because it is associated with a a much higher risk of no motor features, cognitive impairment, uh, dysautonomia, psychiatric features. So it is important to know about carrying these variants for the prognosis, for the outcome. And also it is important to choose the best treatment for these patients. And this is why there is so much research on this topic nowadays.
0: Interesting. Nicole, could you give us a quick overview of deep brain stimulation and its use in Parkinson's disease? What are the main indications and maybe also some risks or drawbacks of DBS?
2: Yes, DBS is a, a good therapy for patients with Parkinson's disease. is considered nowadays asymptomatic therapy of these patients with important Clinical benefits, in particular on term or motor symptoms, dyskinesias, wearing off and on off symptoms. But there are some literature that describe in that in some patients with DBS stimulation, in particular with the STN target, there is a worsening of the cognitive function. In particular, uh, last year was published a paper in Arnold's neurologist that showed that people with Parkinson's disease and GBA mutations have a worse clinical cognitive outcome over time. So in this view, it's very important to understand if DBS could be a useful therapy also for patients with genetic mutations.
0: Great. So probably that's the reason why you decided to do this study, right?
2: Yes, of course.
0: (laughs) Now, how did you approach this research? I mean, it's a very complex methodology, especially considering that the the number of subjects that you included is very high. How did you achieve this?
1: Yes, and you're right; it's not easy to collect these large cohorts. And this is a good occasion to present the work that we are doing in Italy to collect a large multicenter cohort of patients with Parkinson's disease, and this is an effort that has been coordinated by the Network for Neuroscience and Neurorehabilitation of the Italian Ministry of Health, which created the so-called National Virtual Institutes, and in particular within the National Virtual Institute of Parkinson's Disease, where we have gathered main research centers that in Italy work on Parkinson's disease, and the effort of these centers, there are now, I think, 16 different centers from all across Italy participating to this network is to create a homogeneous cohort of patients with a red cap based database with a longitudinal collection of clinical data that is done in a harmonized way and also harmonize the strategies for genetic testing and a collection of biomarkers and for a subset of cases imaging so we're really making a big effort in this and it's not easy to develop this databases but it's already paying off because from this database we were able to select this large cohort of nearly 300 patients who had underwent DBS. And uh, all these have been tested for GBA using common methodology that has been optimized within the network. And this led to have a significantly large cohort to perform all the comparisons regarding motor and non-motor features in these patients. Follow-up is not as we wanted for all cases. We didn't have a five-year follow-up for all of them. We are definitely continuing the inclusion in the database of longitudinal data in order to obtain longer follow-up information for these cohorts.
0: Wow, this is quite an effort and I'm really excited about the results that it will generate in the future. So let's wait for also more studies with this very interesting cohort. Now, Nicole, let's go back to you and let's talk about your key findings. So what were the main results what did you discover from this cohort?
2: Yes, thank you for this question. In this study, we collected three hundred sixty five patients with DBS. twenty percent of them have a mutation in GBA uh, seventy three of these patients were collected in this study. What we observed that at the baseline, so, In the evaluation prior the DBS implant, we observed that these patients were similar in terms of clinical features, in particular with similar motor symptoms, except for the prevalence of dyskinesias and orthostatic hypotension that was higher in people with GBA mutations. After one year from surgery, we observed that people with GBA, PD, and the non-mutated DBS patients have an improved motor symptoms with a significant reduction of uh, dyskinesias, or and wearing off, and also of non-motor symptoms, in particular, the impulsive compulsive disorder. After the three years of follow-up, again, both courts have a similar good clinical outcome in terms of muscle controls. But if we observe on cognitive side, we observe that the score of cognitive MATH score is reduced in people with GDAPD. But if we observe the clinical outcome of dementia after five years from DBS, only 25% of GBAPD patients develop dementia at five years. But we have also considered the disease duration of this patient that is almost 15 years from onset. So in this study, we confirm that GDAPD have a poor cognitive clinical outcome over time, but the GPS can also use in these patients for improve their quality of life, their motor symptoms, and with satisfactory controls of also dyskinesias, wearing off phenomenon over time.
0: So you conclude that dementia is a consequence of PD progression rather than a consequence of having the DBS implanted. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, it's a very uh, hot point. (laughs) But uh, in this study, we just can see that uh, the GBA patients have uh, a poor cognitive outcome over time. What we would like to look in the future studies, uh, comparing GBA patients with and without DBS, to see if, over time, the DBS could impact on the cognitive decline or not.
0: But your best guess would be...
2: GBA. (laughs) Well, that's difficult. (laughs) That's difficult. Uh, That is difficult. (laughs) We think that maybe the GBA itself is uh, responsible of the cognitive decline, but we need more data and more longitudinal studies to confirm.
0: For answer the question in a definite way, for sure, you would need a placebo or a sham control trial, right? Because... Even the selection of patients that are candidate or not for DBS, it's already biased for jumping to a conclusion. But you are the experts here. I just wanted to know what you think about this.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to be very careful because people are really on the lookout for this answer. And there are, I would say, two different lines of opinion regarding the opportunity or less opportunity of performing DBS in GBA patients. So we need to be careful in giving bold statements at this time, but definitely more studied and more controlled studied, as you suggested, are needed because, I mean, it's really a matter of looking at the glass half empty or half full. And even if we found a higher proportion of cognitive decline in our GBA patients who underwent DBS, it is also true that 75% of them performed so very well after 15 years of disease with no cognitive decline and really had a great benefit. So it is important to consider both sides and we will definitely carry on further studies on this topic.
0: Great, that's quite significant. Uh, One important question also looking at previous studies is whether different GBA mutations and genetic variants are related with different outcomes, risks when undergoing DBS. Could you separate the risks of different mutation or types of mutation, let's say the mild, severe, and the genetic variants?
1: Well, we attempted to do that. Obviously, numbers were a little low, okay, to do a robust statistical analysis. We didn't really observe major differences among groups, but we are now trying to expand the cohort and combine with other cohorts in international collaborations to get some more reliable results. It is also very important to say, Michaela, that the current classification of GBA variants, it's probably not the best one to apply to Parkinson's disease. We inherited this classification from Gaucher and probably it doesn't really divide mutations in classes of proper severity. Like we've seen a lot of clinical variability among patients who carry mild variants, for instance. So we probably need some better way to classify GBA variants, and there is a lot of research ongoing on this as well. So, more to come on this topic also.
0: Great. Now, what about the difference between different brain targets for the simulation? Do you think this could have an impact? Like, STN would have a different profile when compared to GPI, or what do you think?
2: Of course, it's another point to look at in these patients. In our study, we have just a minority of patients with GPI implants, so the comparable was not possible. But of course, it would be very interesting to look at different targets in this population, in particular with GBA. Maybe it could be an indication to use different targets in this kind of population.
0: Absolutely. And how do you think these findings impact the approach to treat Parkinson's disease? Uh, Do you think we should genotype all of the patients undergoing DBS? I mean, does the the genotyping give us an actionable information that we could do something when knowing if a patient has or not uh, a GBA mutation when we are thinking of a patient as a candidate for DBS?
1: Yeah, we've started to believe that uh, GBA genotyping will probably have to enter the routine and diagnostic path in a patient with Parkinson's disease, because it's going to impact not only the choice to perform or not perform DBS, but also it will provide information about potential prognosis. For instance, we're looking a little bit more in depth into the dysautonomia that seems to be a more relevant feature in GBA patients, and it could be important to see whether this can be better targeted and managed in these patients and obviously also for family reasons as well and uh, all the trials that are ongoing and that will be starting in the near future. So to know whether a patient carries or doesn't carry a GBA mutation will have a relevance, especially in light of the high frequency of this genetic factor, which obviously is not comparable to the extremely rare cases patients who carry other monogenic forms of Parkinson's disease, even if they Those are with higher penetrance, So I would definitely think that these will become more routine. Yes.
0: Perfect. Well, you've answered already to my next question, but looking forward, what further research is needed in this area? In GBA, PD and DBS, what are your plans for the future?
1: Well, we are expanding our cohort, both within the Italian Parknet network, and we are collecting in our database a larger number of patients with or without GBA and DBS, and we're also focusing on GBA patients who did not underwent DBS, despite having similar clinical characteristics in order to address the issue, whether it's GBA mutation or the DBS are more relevant in terms of influencing on the cognitive outcome. So that's Clearly, a first uh, point is just to collect larger cohorts. And uh, main focuses are to better characterize variants and genotype-phenotype correlates within different subgroups because we still observe such a wide clinical variability even within GBS, even within GBA cases. And so it will be important to stratify these patients better because probably even within the GBA group, we observe different phenotypes and different behaviors that are related to other variants that we still don't know, there is interesting literature showing that, for instance, the polygenic risk score may influence clinical outcome in patients carrying a GBA mutation. So also within, for instance, the big effort of the GP2 Genetic Consortium, which is a worldwide large genetic effort to genotype a very large number of patients from different countries and ethnicities, and that will provide an extremely useful resource to observe the combination of genetic data on large cohorts at the worldwide level and see, for instance, how other genetic factors may impact or influence on the outcome of the GBA mutation in terms of phenotype, in terms of response to treatment. So this is definitely something we're looking forward to because it will provide exciting, exciting data to better understand PD outcome. And also we need better biomarkers as well. So we really hope that, for instance, the synuclein CSA in blood will become a reality soon. We're still struggling with this assay in the, the peripheral blood, but uh, hopefully in a short time it should become a marker. And that would probably also help stratifying mm-hmm. patients better and so we definitely need a a combined approach. When we say personalized medicine, it means that every patient is different uh, and it's not just the genetics, it's not just the imaging, but we need to put together a lot of data in order to obtain profiles of each patient and use these profiles to see how they can better respond to a certain treatment or a certain strategy.
0: Well, a lot of work to do, right? So finally, Mikol, what message would you like our listener to take away from your study?
2: I think that the main message is that DBS at the end in this study is a good option for patients with Parkinson's disease, even with GBA mutations. It's very important, although, to counselling the patients before the surgery, even if they have a mutation. So this could be very useful to explain what will be the benefit of the surgery and possible complications in this case, cognitive decline.
0: Thank you. Well, Dr. Ravenali, Professor Valente, thank you so much for sharing your insight and research with us today.
2: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the kind invitations and to be here today with you.
0: Thank you all for tuning in. To learn more about this study, visit the webpage of the journal and stay tuned for our next episode. Until next time, take care. The views and opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society or their affiliated journals, Movement Disorders and Movement Disorders Clinical Practice. Any disclosures of the participants can be found within the episode description located on the MDS website.